All right, Father God, we thank you for tonight. Y'all disagree with me. Lord, we pray over the sermon tonight. Lord, that you would speak through me in glory and power and strong anointing. And let this word be piercing tonight. Let it be um, a double-edged sword that goes forth and cuts away any deception. Lord, let it be as light shining into dark places. Let it be as as you said the word of God would be, that it will go forth and accomplish that which you sent it forth to do. Lord, let your word go forth as a mighty hammer that breaks down strongholds and lies of the enemy. Let it be as living seeds of truth that are sown into good fertile soil of hearts and minds and lives and families and ministries. Watered by the Holy Spirit that will take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains. And we bind the enemy away from the seed of the word. That you will not steal this from anyone. You will not hinder in any way. And I thank you, Lord, that causing a mighty wind of your spirit to blow this seed of the word of God among the nations of the earth. Let your angels be dispatched on assignment that will watch over the word of God and make sure it fulfills its purpose without hindrance from the enemy. Lord, we bless you and I thank you for it. I thank you for something significant tonight as we're talking about things that the devil does not want us talking about and does definitely does not want it out there on the internet for the world to see. So Lord, I thank you for this night. I thank you for it and we bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, I'm doing a series called Navigating Through the End Times. The first part was really a beginning, and it was a transition from previous series that I've done. And it went from those series into this, but it was more transitional. This sermon, I want to deal with the spirit of Baal, and I'm going to talk about things I've never talked about. I'm going to talk about things that probably will be very eye-opening to you, and I'm going to go through this whole thing the best that I can. Just pray for me, because... This is something that is could be broken up into several sermons because each point could be really made into a sermon. But I really felt the Lord wanted me just to condense it into one sermon. So just bear with me tonight. I'm going to do my best to go through all of this and explain it the best that I can because I know that those that have never been taught about this, this is probably going to be new. And you'll probably want to go back over this sermon and listen to it again. And really go over your notes to wrap your mind around everything that's going on. Okay, So what I'm going to deal with in this specific sermon tonight is I'm going to deal with Mystery Babylon. I'm going to deal with the spiritual work of the enemy behind the scenes that is preparing for the end times for the rise of the Antichrist. Now next week, I'm going to deal with more of actually what's going on in the natural realm. How the enemy is working through different organizations and movements that's preparing for a global currency, etc. I don't want to get into that now. But this is more of the spiritual realm. What's going on behind the scenes. So it's going to be like when you watch, if you've ever been to a drama, and all of a sudden the curtain opens up and there's a scene that is unfolding before you. That's what I hope to do tonight. I'm going to do my best. Then the curtain's going to be pulled back. And we're going to have a glimpse at how the enemy is trying to work behind the scenes setting stage for the rise of the false prophet and the Antichrist and the mark of the beast and all the different things that the Bible says will happen in the last days. Okay, So, let's go ahead and jump into this. Satan is obviously, most likely, anyway I should say most likely, a fallen archangel by rank. But the Bible says that he it was the anointed cherub that covers. So that is significant as I go down through this. 
Lucifer was actually a cherubim. And so when you look in the Bible and you see the cherubim and the living creatures, the four living creatures, that's what Lucifer was. He was one of those class of angels. Now in the Bible there's, there's seraphim and what the seraphim are, they were flaming fire angels. And it makes me wonder, I'm not preaching this, I'm just wondering with you about this. I wonder how much the seraphim have to do with like revivals. Because they're flames of fire. But the cherubim, the four living creatures, they had multiple faces. They have feet that were cloven hooves. And they were these different kind of beings. But that's what Lucifer was at one time, okay? By rank, he was probably a high-ranking angel so he that would probably be an archangel by rank but as far as his spiritual dna so to speak he was a cherubim and god had moses build the ark of the covenant and put two cherubim facing each other that's what lucifer used to be he was a cherubim that covered the ark the 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 throne of god and most likely satan had a lot to do with the worship leading of heaven because Ezekiel said that they were tabrets and pipes that were formed within him. So most likely he had a lot to do with leading praise and worship. And what it seems to be, and I'm going to run through angels real quick, that Gabriel is the, rank, the highest ranking angel that has to do with delivering the word of God. So Gabriel seems to oversee the word of God being released. Michael the archangel seems to be the highest ranking angel that deals with spiritual warfare. And the Bible calls Michael Israel's prince. So he probably resides most of the time around the nation of Israel, making sure that the purposes of God are fulfilled because there's a tremendous amount of satanic focus on Israel. And then you deal with different types of angels. There's just these certain angels people have seen that look a lot like we do. There's other angels that are about eight foot tall, wing, you know, a broad wingspan, very powerful. Angels are very powerful beings. When Satan fell, in the book of Revelation it says the dragon scooped a third of the angels out of heaven. So we know from the Bible that it seems to indicate that when Satan fell, he took a third of the angels. But let's, let's think about this for a minute. How many of those angels were cherubim? How many of those angels were seraphim? How many of those angels fell under different rank, different class, and different, like some of them were in the area of spiritual warfare under Michael, some of them under maybe Gabriel? What all did it entail? Who all was involved? We don't know. And this is just something to think about. I'm certainly not preaching this. Is it okay that I just put some things out there just to think about tonight? I'm not saying that this is doctrine at all because the Bible doesn't say. But it, it makes me wonder. The Bible showed the dragon pulling down a third of the angels in the book of Revelation. And it makes me wonder that we know in times past, Lucifer rebelled and fell and took angels with him. But I heard one preacher ask this question. It always stayed with me. Does it say anywhere in the Bible that that was the only time that angels fell? Could it be that even in this day that we live, that there are still some angels that are losing their loyalty to God and turning over to the dark side? I don't know. The Bible doesn't say either way. But that's certainly something to think about. But Satan, nonetheless at one time was Lucifer and the name Lucifer means light bearer. 
son of the morning. The picture of him was like the sun that rises in the east. You know, he was the sun of the morning, a bright shining star. And what happened most likely was that he was leading praise and worship unto God. And he was very close to God's throne because he was an anointed cherub that covered and he led worship. He was a cherubim. I mean, they went around the throne worshiping God. And as he was leading all this worship to, to God, he eventually began to look at himself and see how beautiful God had made him. He got his eyes off God and on himself and pride began to set up in him. And once he got prideful, he began to think to himself, you know what? People should be worshiping me as well. The beings of heaven should be worshiping me. Look how beautiful I am. How beautiful God's made me. And so he began to lead a rebellion against God. And that's how it seemed to unfold. The best that we can understand from scripture, that is how it unfolded. And Satan and some of these higher ranking fallen angels are not to be underestimated. Sometimes I hear preachers talk as though Satan and these higher ranking beings that fell you know, are stupid. They talk about them like they're stupid. They're powerless. Listen, Jesus is, is all-powerful. He's God Almighty. He defeated them at the cross. And he's given us authority over all the power of the enemy. And I understand that positionally. But if you underestimate your enemy and you start getting real cocky and you start talking about them like they're a bunch of stupid idiots and they're not, and you underestimate them and you get this cockiness about you, don't be surprised if you get slapped around a little bit. Don't underestimate your enemy. Understand that he is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And the Bible describes him as a lion, and a lion is a pretty powerful being. Now, I'm going to be dealing with the spirit of Baal, and I'm going to break this down the best that I can. There's a, there's a, lot, of, a lot of deep stuff to talk about tonight, okay? But Baal is a powerful, powerful spirit a fallen angel. I'm going to refer to him a lot tonight as Baphomet, but really I'm going to stay right now on the name Baal, but it's the same spirit. But Baal, I wonder if this spirit was not at one time possibly a cherubim or a seraphim that fell with Lucifer. I don't know. I don't know what he is. But he's some kind of a fallen angel. There's a big difference between fallen angels and demons. Demons are very low rank. Some of them, they lack intelligence. There's different views out there of where demons came from. Some of them believe that they were the Nephilim that were killed in the flood. Others believe it was a pre-Adamic race. But nonetheless, angels and demons are not the same thing, I'm just telling you. Angels are very powerful beings. They make up principalities and powers and world rulers. They're very intelligent. They're very powerful. Demons are evil spirits. Their origin is... Nobody's absolutely sure. I mean, they could have been low-ranking angels. They could have been some kind of like the Nephilim or some pre-Adamic race or a mixture of all of that. I don't know. But I do know that there's a big difference between them. And the Bible says we wrestle principalities and powers, but we drive out demons. But the spirit of Baal is some kind of a very high-ranking, powerful being that I'm going to try to expose tonight. 
He has a lot to do, and I want you to really take note about things I'm telling you because I'm going to move real quick and I'm covering a lot of information. He has a lot to do with the transference of wealth. Let me say that again. He has a lot to do with the transference of wealth. He has a lot to do with hindrances to obtaining land. You go to obtain, you go to buy land, to take land, especially for the kingdom of God. Baal has a lot to do with trying to hinder obtaining land. He also has a lot to do with confinement and containment. And he also has a lot to do with a great resistance to your destiny. Now let me read to you. If you have a Bible, you can go there real quick. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. I'm just going to read this and point out a few things. And then I'm going to really go through this sermon pretty quick. But 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 is a great chapter about the end times. So let me read this. This is Paul writing to a church that he planted. Okay, And he told them this. Verse 1. But relative to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and our gathering together to meet Him. So he's talking about that in this passage. He's talking about the coming of the Lord and us being gathered unto Him. So he's talking about the last days. Paul said, I beg you, brethren, not to allow your minds to be quickly unsettled or disturbed or kept excited or alarmed, whether it be by some pretend revelation of the Spirit or by word or by letter that was alleged to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has already arrived and is here. In other words, somebody fraudulently um, wrote a letter or said something that they indicated the Apostle Paul said that the Lord had already come. And so the church was uneasy about that. They're like, okay, Paul said the Lord had already come. What's going on? And they began to get very unsettled about it. So Paul caught wind of this. And he wrote this letter to them and said, this letter is from me and the day of the Lord has not come. Okay, that's what he's writing about. He said, verse 3, don't let anyone deceive you or beguile you in any way. For that day will not come except the apostasy come first. That is the great falling away. There has to be a great falling away and it's happening right now in our day. That people are falling away from the Christian faith. They used to walk with Jesus, now they don't. They used to be on fire for God, now they're far away from God. But the Bible predicts right here that there will be a great falling away. And he said, the day of the Lord will not come until there's a great falling away. And the man of lawlessness is revealed, who is the son of doom, of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself so proudly and insolently against and over all that is called God or that is worshipped, even to actually take a seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Do you not recollect that when I was with you, I told you these things? So he's saying that the day of the Lord will not come until there's a great falling away, until the Antichrist is revealed. That's what he says. He says, so don't be alarmed. You'll know and I believe that the true church will know when the Antichrist arises. It gets on my nerves hearing all these people calling every president, every prime minister, and you know some kind of Antichrist. When the Antichrist really comes, the true church will know. The true bride of Christ will know. But also when he rises to power, the day of the Lord, the day of the rapture is right at hand. I mean right at hand. And now you know. What is restraining him, the Antichrist, from being revealed at this time? It is so that he may be manifested at the appointed time. 
For the mystery of lawlessness, and I want you to remember that word, the mystery of lawlessness. The book of Revelation, I believe chapter 17, says mystery Babylon. Now that's important because I'm going to deal with that. The mystery of lawlessness that is hidden, that hidden principle of rebellion against constituted authority is already at work in the world, but it is restrained only until he who restrains it is taken out of the way. So God has some kind of angelic beings that are at work restraining things until the appointed time. In other words, the devil may try to push the envelope and try to, to make some kind of antichrist arise and try to do things he wants to do in the earth. But God has a restraining force that's there in place until the time is right. When that restraining force is removed, then everything will come up. Verse 8. And the lawless one, the Antichrist, will be revealed and the Lord Jesus will slay him with the breath of his mouth and bring him to an end by his appearing at his coming. That's awesome. I love that. Just stop and think about that for a minute. The Antichrist thinks he is, he is such an awesome man. Here he is setting himself up as God. He's got some idol of himself that people are going to be worshiping. He has the audacity to set himself up in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God Almighty, demanding people's worship. And when Jesus comes, Jesus isn't even going to have to flick his pinky. He's just going to speak it out of his mouth and the Antichrist is going to drop dead right there and be thrown into the lake of fire. Verse 9, the coming of the lawless one, the Antichrist, is through the activity. Now, please hear this because this is all going to come up through my sermon. It is through the rise of the Antichrist is through the activity and the working of Satan and will be attended by great power and with all sorts of pretend miracles, signs, and delusive marvels, all of them lying wonders. In other words, the rise of the Antichrist will be accompanied by satanic signs and wonders. The book of Revelation chapter 13 says that the false prophet will have the ability to stand before groups of people, probably on national television, and call down fire from heaven in front of everybody. But that fire from heaven is probably lightning bolts striking the earth at his command. Which is done by principalities in, in the second heaven. It's not some great... But, but all the masses of the world will be deceived because they're... I'll get into this probably next week more and more, but people are more and more being given over to a spirit of deception. More and more, they're going into deeper dark sin than ever before, and because of that, Satan's kingdom is, is deceiving them more and more, and they're getting more and more demonized. And so when the rise of the Antichrist comes and these counterfeit miracles are taking place, these people are quickly going to fall right into worshiping him. Just like the Bible says they would. So you've got to understand as I go through this that there is going to be counterfeit signs, wonders, and miracles that accompany the rise of the Antichrist. Verse 10. And by unlimited seduction to evil. Now think about that. I'm reading this from the Amplified. By unlimited seduction to evil and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing... And because they did not welcome the truth, but refused to love it, that they might be saved. Therefore, God sends upon them a misleading influence, a working of error, a strong delusion to make them believe what is false. In order that they may be judged and condemned who do not believe in the truth, but instead took pleasure in unrighteousness. 
So that's the scripture text that I want to base the whole sermon on. The rise of the Antichrist. The great falling away. What's going on? Alright, so let me try to paint a picture. I'm going to go ahead and do this up front. I'm going to do my best. But I've got some diagrams I'm going to show you later. But I want you to picture with me for a moment as I try to explain all of this. You guys have seen the satanic symbol where it had a pyramid and it was cut off and raised above the pyramid is a triangle. Remember, it's raised above. It's on your dollar bill. It's a satanic symbol. It's an Illuminati symbol. Now follow me. That pyramid goes back to the Tower of Babel and Nimrod. It goes back to the Egyptian sorcery. It's something that's very ancient. And I'll try to explain it later, but right now I just want to focus in on the top of the triangle. The top of the pyramid, rather, is this raised eye, this triangle. Now, please try to follow me on this. In this triangle there, there, in the middle of it is this eye. It's called the all-seeing eye of Lucifer. And there's, there's supposedly like a shining light that's coming from that eye. So that's in the middle of the triangle. That is Lucifer in the middle of this triangle that I'm about to expose to you. Now in this triangle represents this unholy satanic trinity that we're going to see in these last days. Okay, so at the top of the triangle, at the very top, is going to be the Antichrist who's going to be a counterfeit Christ. So Satan is in the middle of this thing and he is a counterfeit to God the Father. A counterfeit. He's supposedly some source of light, some source of revelation, but it's a counterfeit. And he raises up this Antichrist who's a counterfeit Messiah. This counterfeit Messiah is going to be totally given over to the spirit of Leviathan. I'm going to explain all this more and more as I go. So you've got the Antichrist. He's given over. He's he's possessed by. He's completely, totally controlled by Leviathan. So Lucifer's in the middle. Then you've got this counterfeit Messiah. Now on each side, the male and the female counterpart, you've got the counterfeit to the Holy Spirit. On one side you have Baal, who's the male counterpart. On the other side you have what we know as Jezebel and Ahab, the female side of it. This is the counterfeit to the Holy Spirit. So you see this unholy satanic trinity there. It, in my opinion, there, there's no way that I can prove this, and I really could be wrong about this, but in my opinion, I believe that the actual mark of the beast most likely will have some kind of a triangle. And at each point, 666. And in the middle of it, we'll have something, maybe a barcode or some kind of a chip implant. I don't really know. But I really feel like it will be some kind of a triangle. That's just my opinion. I could be wrong about that. But in times past, those that worshipped Satan, they would always hold up their hand in allegiance to Satan, and they would hold up this horned hand all the time. Now more and more you're seeing people holding up more of a triangle that are in allegiance to Satan. Why? 
because it has to do with these things I'm talking about. It has to do with the Illuminati, and it has to do with the rise of these last day spirits. Now, you still got the triangle in your mind, and you still see Lucifer, who's supposed to be the source of light, and he's not, in the middle. Now, the Antichrist, the Bible says he's the beast that comes out of the sea. Sea represents humanity, we know that, so he's a man. But he comes out of the sea. Why is that significant? Because Leviathan is a sea monster. And also, when you look in the book of Revelation, and you see that it talks about these nations, it describes the nations of the earth as a beast that has seven heads and ten horns. Remember that? You can't help but think of Leviathan when you see that. That's an exact replica of Leviathan. You know why? Because the Antichrist will unite those, those uh, kingdoms of the world, bring them together, and it's going to be a Leviathan movement. It's going to be rooted in pride. Everything about the Antichrist, the man, will be extreme arrogance, and he will be completely, totally given over to Leviathan. The false prophet, the Bible says in Revelation 13, that this spirit comes up out of the earth. So it's not out of the sea, it's out of the earth. And what that means is up out of hell. And this spirit, Baal or Baphomet, which I'm going to call him Baphomet, I'm going to move into that name because that's more significant in my sermon. But it's going to come out, this being is going to come out, some kind of very high-ranking, powerful fallen angel, and he's going to completely, totally possess and work with the false prophet. That's the beast that comes out of the earth. And Jezebel and Ahab have a tremendous amount of what's going on as well. Now I'm going to come back to that later and I'm going to explain all of it. But you guys should have enough knowledge already to this point that when I, I don't have to dwell on Jezebel too much or Leviathan because you already know about these things. So I'm just going to move quickly. But in the Bible, Jezebel gets her name from Baal. Her father was a priest of Baal. And her name literally has to do, the last part of her name is Baal. But Jezebel worshipped Baal. And she, she brought the nation of Israel into worshipping Baal. Worshipping Baphomet. And when you see some of this stuff here in a moment, the nation of Israel actually backslid to a place to actually worship this thing. Some of the greatest victories, I'll explain them later, but Gideon faced that spirit in his day. And Elijah faced it in his day. Baal and Leviathan work together. Baal is the Lord over religion. What, what Baphomet Baal, what that spirit is, it is a spirit that oversees all counterfeit worship of any kind. Now I want you to really let that sink in. Any worship that is not directed to the Lord Jesus Christ, it's not directed through the Lord Jesus to God Almighty, it's not pure, true worship to God. I'm talking about any other worship of any other religion of any kind. This spirit of Baphomet oversees that worship. All of it. So it oversees the worship of Islam to Allah. It oversees the worship that takes place in Buddhism and Hinduism. It oversees all the worship in, that goes on in Freemasonry through their satanic rituals and, and through witchcraft and Satanism and the occult. 
So that's why this being is so powerful. Satan has placed him to oversee all of that worship and make sure that everything is functioning the way it's supposed to. That's why when this being comes and takes over the false prophet and begins to use him for Satan's purposes, what is this thing going to do? It's going to try to create an image of the Antichrist, an idol that can literally speak, by the way, the Bible says that, an image that people are going to worship that thing. Why? Because it oversees all this counterfeit worship. It's all about directing worship away from God Almighty and directing it toward idolatry and toward the Antichrist and toward Satan. That's what this being's purpose is. Jezebel and Ahab's purpose in the last days is a a power source. You know, witchcraft is the power of the devil. It's the power source, the undercurrent power that is going to be flowing. And not only that, but Jezebel and Ahab's purpose is to seduce people into witchcraft, seduce them into lust, to draw them into things so that they're open, they've opened themselves up to the control of the enemy. But Jezebel and Ahab are seducing spirits. So you can see how this is starting to make sense. And Jezebel is called the Queen of Heaven. I'll get in that. Let me read some of this. Baal is named Baphomet. He's the go-to Mendes. He's the spirit of Mammon. Some of you have heard preachers talk about the spirit of Mammon. That's Baal. He is also Beelzebub that was exposed when Jesus was driving out demons in the New Testament. Beelzebub was the lord of the, of the demons, the ruler of the demons. Baal is the male and Ashtoreth or Jezebel is the female counterpart. So that you remember Baal and Asherah in the Old Testament? Baal and Asherah are the same spirit. It's been there all along. It was always there. Baal was always seen as a provider. That's why when the nation of Israel were worshipping Baal, they were worshipping Baal, believing, just like all these other cultures did, believing that if they worshipped Baal, that Baal would bless their crops to be fruitful. He would bless their flocks and their herds to multiply. He would bless the women to be able to have children. And they looked at him as a provider, like a husband, provider, and protector. That's why when God dealt with Baal, and he sent Elijah to prophesy, he dried up all the provision. He sent a famine, and God was trying to say to Israel, you're looking at this thing like some kind of provider. He's not providing. Why are you worshiping something that doesn't even have the power to give you rain? Which they thought it did. That's why it makes more sense now, when Elijah stood up on Mount Carmel, and he said, get all the prophets of Baal and Asherah here, Let's make this altar right here. And I'm going to let them dance around and do their little satanic rituals. And they cut themselves. They danced. They called upon Baal. They did everything they could. But because the power of God was at work, Baal could not do anything. And Elijah started making fun of them. He said, guys, look, there's a whole bunch of you and there's one of me. All of you are doing all these rituals to conjure up Baal. Nothing's going on. Maybe he's on vacation. Maybe he's asleep. And he started making fun of him. And then Elijah stood back and said, and he called upon the God of Israel, and the God of Israel came and answered with fire and burned up that sacrifice right there. And then Elijah had all the prophets of Baal and Asher killed. 
But see, Baal is an ancient deity. It's very powerful. When you're dealing with Baal, you're dealing with the strong man that's over America. It came into America through Freemasonry and through other means, but it's definitely the strong man. I used to believe that Jezebel and Ahab were the strong men, and they very, very much are influential in this nation. But Baal is over that. So the Jezebel spirit has to do with Ashtoreth, Venus, Kali, Astarte, and Diana. It's the female part known as the Queen of Heaven. See, that's what these other cults that talk about the Queen of Heaven, primarily the Catholic Church, they talk about the Queen of Heaven. They're not worshiping what they think they're worshiping. They're worshiping these spirits of Baal and Asherah. They go way back. So when they think that they're worshiping the Queen of Heaven, they think they're worshiping Mary, they're not really worshiping Mary because Mary is dead and in heaven. They're worshiping the Queen of Heaven, which is a spirit behind that, masquerading as Mary. Literally masquerading itself with apparitions that are appearing to people pretending to be Mary. So Baal oversees all the perverse worship, including the sacrificial system, which I'm going to explain later. Baal, as I mentioned, will possess or completely control the false prophet and strongly assist the rise of the Antichrist. Baal operates as a counterfeit Christ and opposes the true Christ. Another thing about Baal is it is the ruler of the religious spirit. See, when Satan goes to attack, I want everybody to get this, when Satan goes to attack the glory of God, and what I mean by the glory of God, yes, His majesty, His splendor, yes. But I'm talking about the manifest presence, the glory. In the Hebrew, it's the kabod. When the kabod comes, there's a weightiness. How many of you guys here in this ministry have felt a heaviness of God's presence? Like a weight. That's the glory. The glory is also a shining, the shekinah. That's the glory of God. When the glory of God comes into a ministry... And into a place where, where, where God has decided He's now going to tabernacle His presence. And there's a glory there. That glory in the realm of the Spirit lights that place up like a light bulb. And Satan hates it. And what does he do when he wants to oppose the glory? He sends Leviathan against it. Now all this is going to tie together in just a moment. So he sends Leviathan against it. Leviathan, remember, will be the one that possesses the Antichrist. The Antichrist spirit... Leviathan and all that is a religious opposition to the glory. Baal, whenever Satan wants to stop freedom in praise and worship, where people are free, they're dancing, they're shouting, they're celebrating, they're free in worship. When Satan wants to stop freedom in worship, he will send the spirit of Baal against it and try to stifle the worship through a religious spirit that tries to stop up that flow. Is this making sense? So Satan uses like a, an antichrist spirit, Leviathan specifically, to stop the glory. But he uses Baal to try, to try to stop the freedom of worship. And he uses the Jezebel spirit to come against the spirit of Elijah. The spirit of Elijah is the sevenfold manifestation of the Holy Spirit. It's a prophetic anointing. It's a revival anointing. And where the spirit of Elijah is, Satan will try to send Jezebel to stop that. So let me show you. What we need in these last days more than anything, we need to have the glory of God in our lives. We need to have freedom in our services and our worship. We need to have freedom. 
Let the Spirit of the Lord do what He wants to do. Have unstructured services. We need to have freedom. And we need the Spirit of Elijah and fire. That's what we need. So Satan has targeted this by sending this Leviathan in to try to kill the glory. By sending this Baphomet, Baal, religious spirit to stop the freedom. And to try to send the Spirit of Jezebel in to stop the Spirit of Elijah. That's that triangle. And that's what we're dealing with in these last days. Baal's most powerful thrones exist in the economics of the world, which has to do with the Illuminati. Also over those that worship Satan, directly or indirectly, and the Catholic Church with the Queen of Heaven. Which will have a lot to do in the last days with the rise of the Antichrist. And I'll talk about more about that next week. Baal has been seen as the great provider sending rain. I already talked about that. Baal is a very ancient and powerful fallen being. The beast of Revelation 13. Baal is a key figure in end times satanic warfare. Baal is the spirit that creates a delusion about worshipping the image of the beast and taking the mark of the beast. See, when you're dealing with Baal, you're dealing with everything to do with worship to the devil and you're also dealing with directing worship to the Antichrist and the mark of the beast. Remember I told you Baal has to do with the transference of wealth. You're not going to be able to buy or sell without the mark of the beast. And should the Lord tarry and there be a mark of the beast while we're still here if the rapture was to tarry and we see that people are not going to be able to buy or sell without the mark. The mark is an economic mark most likely, with the way technology is going, the mark will, the Bible says it'll be on your right hand or forehand, but that mark will be linked to your bank account. It will be linked to everything about your identity, your fingerprints, everything about you, everything, every credit card, everything will be linked to that. And the technology is there for that right now. And it's not just going to be something that's, you know, like a technology. There's a very powerful spirit behind it, and it's, it, it is a pact with the devil. And I used to think, years ago, I used to think, how in the world, especially in America, with a Christian culture, a background of a Christian culture that was so strong, how in the world could people that missed the rapture, how could they take the mark of the beast knowing that that thing is the mark of the beast? And what else could it be? You're going to take it on your right hand or forehead to buy or sell. What else could it be? How in the world could somebody be that stupid? I used to think that. How could they be that stupid? But here's the thing, now in the society that we live in, in this extreme animosity toward God, this extreme rebellion that I see, I have no problem now believing that it could happen anytime. People, people are given, being given more and more over to darkness. There's a rebellion, there's a pride there. And I'll talk more about this next week, but, but people are being taught more and more that the Bible isn't true. They're being taught more and more Jesus is only one way to get to heaven. And they're being deceived into thinking that the Christianity that you and I know, the true biblical Christianity, is not really the what. What they're doing is Satan is offering a counterfeit Christianity. This counterfeit Christianity holds hands with all the other religions. And these people will very quickly take the mark of the beast and think nothing of it. I've shared this before, but a prophetic friend of mine had a dream where he was standing in line and you had to, there was, there was such catastrophes that ha- had happened in America. He was standing in line to get food from the government. 
And again, it was because of all the catastrophes. And while he was there, somebody told him, said, look, you're not going to be able to get food anymore unless you take this mark on your right hand or your forehead. And he told him, he said, well, that's against my religion. And the person says, well, I'll tell you what, you can have the food this time, but the next time you come, if you're not willing to take the mark, you're not going to get any food. And he said that he left there thinking about all that. And when he, this was all in a dream, and he got back to the church where he pastors, and he was standing on the platform on a Sunday morning. All the people were there. And as he, took, as he stood up and got behind the podium and looked out among the people, he saw that many of those people that were there had taken the mark. And he thought to himself, how in the world could they have been so foolish to have sat in church and heard all these sermons and to be so foolish as to take the mark? And then in the part of the dream, he was pulled out of that and he went back in this back room of the church and there was all these power tools. All up and down the walls, power tools. And he knew that it was symbolic in the dream of the power to get the job done in these last days. We needed the power of the Holy Spirit to get the job done. The power of signs and wonders and miracles that are truly from God. But anyway, people are being given over to delusion. People that call themselves Christians now. I don't want to get ahead of myself because a lot of that's next week. But Baal is a very key figure. Baal is the spirit that creates a delusion. Let me read this again. In worshiping the image of the beast and taking the mark of the beast. And mind control will be rampant through the media to help deceive the nations into worshiping the Antichrist. Now when I talk about mind control, I'm literally talking about a spirit. But even more than just a spirit, right now Satan has so much influence in the media that they will deliberately put a slant on the news to deceive people and to believe in what they want them to believe. They do it all the time. And even though people may not like the phrase mind control, that's a form of controlling the way people think. So whatever word you want to put on it, it is a way to control the way people think and perceive reality. They deliberately do not put certain things in the media. And they deliberately put other things in the media with a slant on it to manipulate the minds of the masses into thinking the way they want them to think and voting the way they want them to vote. That's what they do. That's why, for example, right now, you don't see any of the mainstream media at all covering anything to do with that doctor that's on trial about killing all those babies in the abortion clinic. There's not one major news media that's covering any of it. Why? Because they're all pro-abortion and they don't want to have a bad light shined on abortion. So you see what I'm saying? If it was another subject matter, the whole media, all of them, would be just, it would be all over the place. Because he had murdered so many babies. After they were born, murdered them. But they don't want to say anything about that because they're pro-abortion. Do you see how that's controlling the way people think? Now, whatever word you want to use, it's, it's an outlet through which people's thinking is being influenced and controlled. And the same thing is true in the educational system. They have people in place that are teaching everything the way they want it taught, and some of it is not even accurate. For example, in the educational system in universities, they teach that there's no Christian influence in our nation, and they go through and say all this stuff, and absolutely nothing that they're saying is actually true. But the fact that somebody has Ph.D. behind their name, and they get up and they teach it, it has validity. 
and they're 100% wrong and possibly even deliberately lying to people, but it's influencing the way those people perceive things. Do you see what I'm saying? All of this is happening and it's going a direction, it's going an antichrist direction. And we really do need to look into, you know, recently the 700 Club did that thing on the, the life of Hitler. I've studied this before, but in reality there's a lot more to it than just what they showed. There, there's a lot of things about his life that I believe that God allowed that to happen because if we'll look at it, it is a picture and type of the rise of the Antichrist one day. Hitler was somebody that claimed to be a Christian and he was one way before he got into power, but after he got into power, he, he was a completely different person. And that's exactly the way the Antichrist is going to be. The Bible says it. He's going to be offering a peace treaty with Israel. So he's going to seem like this peaceful guy that's got all the answers. But when he actually gets into power, he's going to completely change, like a bipolar change. What it really is, is his real nature comes out. And then he's going to be bent on killing the Jews and the Christians, and he's going to become a tyrant. So it would be advantageous for people to look at what happened in Nazi Germany in World War II because there's a lot to that. Hitler was an, was a antichrist. The Bible says in 1 John that there's many antichrists and there's, there's an antichrist spirit. He was somebody that was a antichrist. He just wasn't the antichrist the Bible speaks of. And there's other people that are uh, forerunners for the rise of the Antichrist that I believe right now in the earth, I believe that there are leaders among nations that are forerunners, that are preparing the world's economy, they're preparing the world's military, they're preparing the world's political system. Do you realize how nutty some stuff is out there? There was somebody that I know, um, you, if you're interested in this, because some people may hear this, and I really recommend a man by the name of Gary Kaw. His last name is K-A-H. And he's done a tremendous amount of research about the things I'm talking about. Another person is Joe Schimmel. He has a website called Good Fight Ministries. He's excellent. But I'm going to tell you that Gary Call talked about this UN meeting. Now I want you to hear this. You've got this UN meeting. These are the leaders of the world that have all come together and they're in this room. I want everybody to just imagine this with me. These are the leaders of the world. These are the people that you see doing these news, you know, casts and sitting up there in front of the world speaking. These people were all in this meeting. In this meeting, some children come in and they're doing some weird, you know, occult dance and ceremony. And they're marching in this little box. In this little box, it was a replica on a very small scale. A replica of the Ark of the Covenant with the poles and everything. And they come in with this little box. And it was called something like the Ark of Hope. Inside the box, around the interior of it, there was a red dragon that had been painted. And they had pulled out some paper on parchment. And they were reading this. And it was, it was supposed to be something that's starting to move the governments of the world together. See, what one of the things they're trying to do is they're trying to make things like global warming seem a lot worse than it is because when they make it look like the world is all going to disintegrate we're all going to die everything is just horrible and they try to make it sound like that then what do they what are they going to do they're going to try to offer solutions and the solutions are what let's all have a one world currency let's all have a one world government 
Does, does this make sense? They're trying to make it sound worse than what it is. But think about it. In this UN meeting, this bizarre ceremony is taking place. That's just weird. These are the leaders of the world. And they're having little kids come in doing this occult dance with a little box. That's their little ark of hope. And this little parchment paper coming out. This is just bizarre. And you're thinking, these are the people that are leading the nations of the world participating in this weirdness. And I can't even begin to tell you how anti-Semitic the UN is. So let me close out where I want to go with this. How does Baal, or Baphomet, I'm going to begin to refer to this more as Baphomet now. How does this spirit gain a stronghold or a yoke in people's lives? The Bible talks about that you have to bind the strong man to plunder his goods. So how does this strong man get in people's lives? Number one, generational idolatry and sin. Number two, personal sin, like idols, occult activity. You know, years ago in America it wouldn't have been this way, but now most people have participated to some degree in something that's occult. Witchcraft, divination, sorcery. They've got connected in it somehow. Whether it was through the media or something. They've had a brush with the occult. Different idols that are in people's hearts. Anything that's more important than God is an idol. No matter what it is. If it's a person, if it's money, whatever it is, it's an idol. Not only that, but obvious idols like the worship of other gods and other religions. But whenever these idols, this occult practice is there, wherever there's sexual sin, where there's greed... And there's ungodly ties to things like Freemasonry literally ties people to it. It ties bloodlines to it. These things are legal ground for the spirit of Baal to begin to oppress people's lives. Be very careful what you are yoked to. Be very careful what you are yoked to in these last days regarding the end time Babylonian system. I want you all to hear me about this. Some people say, well, why, why is there such a battleground about moving forward? Why is there such a battleground with my finances? Why is there such a battleground with taking land? Why is there such a battleground moving into my destiny? It could be you're wrestling a spirit of Baal. And I want to ask you, is there possibly a yoke to this thing? Is there generational Freemasonry, is there something in the bloodline? Is there something from your past that you yoked yourself to? Or is your finances yoked to the system of this world? There can be yokes. The medical field has a major throne dealing with Baal. I did a study on this years ago. I couldn't believe the Hippocratic Oath. I, it shocked me that people would actually oath themselves to Greek gods and it says it in it. Look it up for yourself. I don't know how somebody could be a Christian and oath themselves to these Greek gods. There was a one of the Greek gods and I can't remember, it's been too many years now, but had a staff and the staff had magical properties and if they would touch you with the staff you would be healed and that's actually what the medical insignia is and if you don't believe me, look all this up for yourself. That's what it is. There's a throne in the medical field that goes back to Baal. There's a major throne in the world's economics. Things like um, 
investments. You've got to be careful with this. What you know as well as I do, the bull is, is what is the insignia of a lot of the finances that are out there. The stock market, it's the bull. See, one of the manifestations, if you can please hear this, one of the manifestations of a cherubim had to do with a bull. Remember that? And that's why a lot of times Satan is seen like a winged bull. So you've got to be careful with your finances because if you don't, you may do it totally unintentionally. But if your finances are yoked to this Babylonian system and you've yoked yourself to Baal, and you may have done it ignorantly, there can be a strong resistance against your finances until you deal with that. And I really felt that was for somebody, actually. And as I'm going to show you here in a moment now, the first move toward one world currency took place in Europe. Out of little Brussels, they, they began to unite Europe under what? The Euro. And they started doing away with all this other currency and bring it all under the Euro. That's the first movement of a one world currency. It's not finished. And interestingly enough, of all the different pictures that you could put on money, think about it. You could put anything you want to on a coin or a dollar bill. Anything you want to. But you know what they decided they were going to put on this currency? They were going to put a bull with a woman riding the bull. When the book of Revelation describes that very scene with the woman Jezebel riding the bull, the beast. Why in the world would they pick that? It has to be satanic. There's no other explanation. Of all the things on planet Earth that they could have put on that currency, they decide to put that. See, one of the things you're going to see, you know, when you're a Christian and you go across the world and you meet other Christians that you've never even met before, but you can really sense the presence of God in their life. And, and when you get around them and you worship together, you feel like family. You just feel connection. And the reason why is because it's the Holy Spirit doing that. But see, there's the spirit that's going on right now in the world that people that are under the influence of this thing, they can go from America to another country and they feel this commonality and they're talking about things and it's like something is bringing together the people of the world under the the mindset that we need bigger government, we need to have uh, major issues solved, Um, we've got to bring the religions of the world together, we've got to bring the governments of the world together, we've got to bring the economics of the world together, we've got to have peace and tolerance, and they're all singing the same song from different backgrounds. Where's that coming from? You can really sense the enemy hates this. I mean, you can really sense it as you preach this. It's exposing stuff the enemy does not want exposed. But Baphomet's insignia shows the spirits that he works with. Here in a moment, I'm going to show you a few things, and we're going to start closing this down. But Leviathan's pride, the stronghold of spiritual death, the counterfeit leading of the Holy Spirit, Jezebel, the, the Jezebel's witchcraft, rebellion, seductions, whoredoms, and also she counterfeits the Holy Spirit. Lilith and Seder's sexual perversions and vampirism. Samway, Samhain, however you want to pronounce it, death, murder, and assassination. Belial's lawlessness, anarchy, and defiance of authority. Python's false revelation and spiritual suffocation. Now go down for a moment and look at these pictures at the bottom. Look at the very bottom. That is the Euro. A woman riding a beast. 
tell me that doesn't look exactly what, like what the Bible describes as being the woman that's set like a queen riding the beast in Revelation 17, I believe it is. Mystery Babylon. I look on the right where you see the goat head in the pentagram. This is what I'm talking about. The devil hates to be exposed. Did you know the Bible says it's the church's job? It is the church's job to expose the devil. It is our job to do it. The Bible says expose the darkness. Don't be a part of it, but expose it. Alright, so this on the, on the right hand side, the pentagram. Let me explain this. This is the symbol of the church of Satan and Satanism. And let me break it down for you. In the middle there, that's Baphomet. That's the goat head. Around the outside of it, you see those five Hebrew letters. It spells out Leviathan. Isn't that interesting? Because you know what? Leviathan is, is the spiritual leader, so to speak, over the python spirit that wraps around and suffocates people spiritually. The top, you see the name Samael. You know what that is? That's the spirit of death. And people that have seen the spirit of death say it looks just like the grim reaper. So I guess that's where it came from. But let me tell you about the spirit of death. Samael is the spirit that is worshipped at Halloween. The Satanists believe Halloween to be, they worship it to be, the devil's birthday. That's what it is to them. The witches, to them, it is the death of last year and the birth of the new year. But it is a pagan satanic holiday... And the spirit that is worshipped at Halloween is Samael. There was actually a Satanist by the name of David Berkowitz that's now a Christian. Back in, I believe it was the 70's, he had a reign of terror in New York and he was known as the son of Sam. He was a serial killer. Now, David is now a Christian and he's really good friends with Steve Hill and I know this from Brother Steve. David said that while he was a Satanist, he was a part of a satanic cult. And there was this spirit that he would communicate, Samael. He would communicate with this spirit, he would talk to him. And he called himself the son of Sam because it was this spirit. And this spirit, Samael, would send him on assignments to go kill certain people. And he would tell them, go to this place and do this. And he would take like a forty-five, if I remember right... And he would just randomly walk up to those people and shoot them. And that was how he was serving the devil. Well, ultimately, he got caught. He was incarcerated. He's in for life. I don't remember how many people he killed. It was over 12, 14, something like that. Anyway, in prison, he comes to find Jesus Christ. Praise God. So now he's a born-again Christian. He's forgiven. Of course, he's going to be in there the rest of his life. But now he does Bible studies and, and leads people in prison to Christ. And um, it's, an, it's an awesome story of God's redemption. But I'm just saying that Samael, that spirit of death, is serious. Underneath that you see Lilith. Lilith and Seder are actually in the Bible, but you, you have to read it in Hebrew um, when it talks about Babylon and Isaiah, somewhere around 30. But anyway, Lilith and Seder are the, are the ones that oversee the sexual perversions, and I'm not going to talk too much about that from a pulpit. But I'm just saying that there's, in these satanic rituals, it involves bloodshed and it involves sex. And Samael is the one that oversees the bloodshed. Lilith and them oversee the, oversee the sexual perversions. 
to the left of that, that weird winged creature is Baphomet. That's the spirit of Baal. That is what these nations are worshiping. That is the being that's going to come up out of the earth and is going to possess the false prophet and is going to use him to, to turn people to worship the Antichrist. That is Baal. And that's why, if you look at that picture, the children of Israel at some time in their history backslid so bad through Jezebel that they were worshiping that thing. Now how in the world could they get that backslidden? But the spirit of Baal, Baphomet, is a serious, serious spirit. And to me, when you look at this, you have to wonder if this was not at one time some kind of like a cherubim. Think about the four living creatures. The, the legs of like a calf, if I remember right, the head of a man and a bull, etc., etc. It looks like maybe that used to be a cherubim of some kind in a very fallen condition right now. Amen. Yeah, that's one ugly dude, you know what I'm saying? I'm, that's all I'm going to say. All right. And then to the left of that, you see the compass with the G in it. That's the insignia of Freemasonry. And to the left of that, you see that pyramid I was talking about with the raised third eye that's the eye of the spirit, the eye of Lucifer whatever, underneath that in Latin is written the new world order that's on your dollar bill see Satan's kingdom goes back to Nimrod in the tower of Babel let me real quick, I'm move through this and we're going to close out and pray, look somebody's got to talk about this stuff and get people ready for the end times, amen these are the spirits that, that the Bible says are going to be there. This isn't just something that is just a sermon. This is in the Bible. Leviathan is in the Bible. This spirit of Jezebel is in the Bible. And this Baal spirit is there. And all this stuff is in the last days. You see it in the book of Revelation. But anyway, the way that Satan's kingdom works is like a, a large pyramid. And there's different rows of bricks. It might be a row of Freemasonry, a row of witchcraft, a, a row of Satanism. But whatever path somebody chooses to be in Satan's kingdom. See, there's something interesting. When we become a true born-again Christian, the Bible says our names are written down in the Lamb's book of life. Did you know when people make pacts with the devil and they connect to his kingdom, that there's actually a goat's book of death that their names are recorded in? That's why in Satanism, when people become Satanists, I know a lot about this stuff because of people that I've ministered to, but they, they have to write their name in their own blood and then burn it and it, see when they do that what they don't understand is is their name is getting written down in a goat's book of death and whenever they become a Christian they're going to have to renounce that pact that they made with the devil Okay, but anyway these different rows that somebody chooses this path that they're, they're pursuing Satan's kingdom whether they do it ignorantly or whatever once they get on that path there's levels there's like an initiation level that a lot of people are involved in. And the higher they go, look at the triangle, the higher they go, the pyramid gets smaller and smaller because fewer and fewer and fewer and fewer people go that high. There's more knowledge and more power higher, but fewer people. And at the very height of it, that triangle, that raised up triangle represents the Illuminati. That's what it represents. And they supposedly control the wealth of the world. I don't doubt that they have a strong hand in it. Because did you know 
that the Federal Reserve in America, the Federal Reserve is not owned by the government. It is owned by individual people behind the scenes. That's a fact. Okay, who owns it? And I'll tell you something else that's disconcerting. Did you know now the copyrights of our Bible has gone into secular hands? Now, how did the church lose that one? That's concerning, isn't it? Baphomet's insignia shows the spirits that he works with. He works with these other beings. All right. So breaking free from Baal. Let me go ahead and close this out real quick, okay? We've got to totally, completely break free from Baal. That means that we need to go through personal deliverance. Do you remember Gideon? Gideon faced this whenever he was alive. The nation of Israel was worshiping Baal. And because they were, the nations, the evil nations came in and and were beginning to oppress them. See, once you have a connection with Baal, there's no oppression there, okay? So God sends an angel to speak to Gideon. You remember the story. And, And the angel shows up to Gideon and says, Gideon, you're a man of great valor. And Gideon starts looking around thinking, are you talking to me? But for Gideon, whenever he had to conquer, what he had to do was, first and foremost, is he had to cut down the altar to Baal that was in his father's backyard. See, what's got to happen, number one, is is that you've got to cut down any altars to Baal that's in your life. In other words, you've got to get delivered and set free from Baal first. And then once that happened in Gideon's life, then Gideon could be used to see other people set free. But first, it's got to begin in you. And then once you get free, you can set other people free. The second thing is a strong faith in the power of the cross. The power of the blood of Jesus to liberate you and set you free. But again, renouncing any yokes or ties to Baal. During David's reign, it was interesting that David was such a mighty man of God, but during his reign as king, there was a time that Israel had a great famine and David had wisdom and he inquired of the Lord and said, Lord, why is there a famine? And the Lord spoke to David and said, because Saul broke covenant with the Gibeonites. Now I want you to hear this. It's interesting because remember Joshua made covenant with the Gibeonites. I shared with this, shared about this last uh, couple weeks ago. They want, they acted like they wandered from a faraway land with their moldy bread and they, they tricked Joshua into making a covenant with them. Well, Israel made a covenant with them. During the days of King Saul, Saul did not honor that covenant and he slaughtered them. And so there was a famine that came on Israel during David's time. David didn't do it. But there was a famine and God said, you're going to have to make things right with the Gibeonites before I'll lift this curse. So there are certain things that bring a curse. Now David made things right and the curse lifted. But I want you to hear this. Number one, broken vows and broken covenants. People don't understand that when you break vows and covenants, it brings a curse. It's serious. That includes marriage vows. Another thing, organizations like Freemasonry, they take oaths and they do ceremonies 
that literally yoke themselves to the spirit of Baphomet, which is a principal spirit over masonry and the Illuminati. See, they don't realize it, but the very things that they're doing with their body as they walk in these certain circles and they lift their hands and they do certain things and they take certain oaths, by doing those little rituals they're doing, they're yoking themselves to Baal, to Baphomet. Dedications to false gods, other religions. Are there other religions in your bloodline? You need to forgive others that have broke covenant with you. But what brings curses on people and nations? Number one is idolatry. Number two is shedding innocent blood. Number three is sexual perversions. And number four is breaking covenants. Those are the four big ones. That's what brings curses on people and on nations. I'm not going to get into this. I'll send it out. But here's what I want to do. I want to close out with a prophetic word God's given me. You can read some of this. And when I send this out, I'll have a little bit more information in it. I didn't want to print out today. But anyway, God gave me a prophetic word. But I want you to understand this as I close out with this word. He said he was making this ministry as the tents of Jacob. So everybody make sure you hear this is powerful. He said he was making this ministry as the tents of Jacob. Now let me explain that. When the nation of Israel was out in the wilderness and they were blessed of God, there was an evil king by the name of Balak who was the king of Moab. The Moabites were wicked. I mean, they practiced witchcraft. They, they, they worshipped a demon god named Chemosh that they literally would do human sacrifice to this demon god, specifically their children. They would cause their children to pass through the fire. And God hated it. And Moloch was the same way. But anyway, this is the type of people that they were. So Balak was a man that was associated with witchcraft and the dark arts. And he was, I guess, on his own trying to come against Israel, but it wasn't working. So he sends for Balaam. Because he heard that Balaam was a man of God. And he heard that whoever Balaam cursed was cursed and whoever he blessed was blessed. Now that's true because Balaam was like a prophet of God. But here's the problem. Balaam had some kind of an anointing and a gifting from God, but Balaam never dealt with his character flaws. Just like Samson. Samson had a real anointing on his life. But he did not deal with the character flaws in him about lust and that was his downfall. Balaam had an issue with money in his heart that he never dealt with and that was his downfall. So, I want you to picture this. Balak sends for Balaam who's supposed to be a man of God and Balak was a man of witchcraft. So you had the two of them come together and they were trying to curse Israel. This is a picture and type of what I have preached to you guys in times past where you have Satan's servants trying to curse the people of God, and then you also have Christians that are being used of the devil to curse the people of God with their gossip and their slander and their negativity and their evil prayers that are working together. One of them, those that serve the devil, are using that authority, but those that are Christians are actually able to use their authority that's invested in them as Christians to do that. That's why Galatians 5.19 says to not operate in witchcraft and it's, it's something of the flesh. But I want you to picture that because you have both of these people together trying to curse Israel and they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. Because Israel was blessed of God, they could not do it. 
And that's what I felt God say to me was he's moving this ministry into a place of being blessed. The beauty of the tents of Jacob, because Balaam said that he wanted to curse him. But out of his own mouth, he had to say how beautiful are the tents of Jacob. I cannot curse what God has blessed. That's what he said. Number one, that's where God's taken us. is a place where we're so blessed of the Lord that the enemy, whether it's coming through Christians or non-Christians, is not going to be able to stick. Because what does the Bible say? A curse without a cause cannot rest. It cannot settle. See, it's interesting because the devil's kingdom, sometimes God has to intervene because even though you and I read the Bible and say, well, it should be this way, you've got to understand that the devil's kingdom has absolutely no regard for rules. If they can get away with doing something that they're not supposed to be doing, they'll do it in a heartbeat. So in other words, if they can oppress a Christian that they have no right to be doing it at all, but if they can get away with it, they'll do it. And so Christians have to cry out to God sometimes and God will come in and set them free from something. The second thing the Lord spoke to me is that there's a new mantle of fire that is coming upon this ministry. It's a new mantle of fire. It's new. It has not been here before. A new mantle. And it's not coming on um, individual people. It's coming on this house. Meaning if people disconnect from here, they're going to be disconnected from that mantle. It's coming on this house. It's settling over this ministry. River of life. It's a mantle of fire. It is the spirit of Elijah. And the Lord says that it will carry the authority and the rights and privileges to carry and release revival. To release the prophetic and to defeat Jezebel. That's what he said. The next thing the Lord says is that we will hold up the arms of another in battle until the battle is complete. And I saw Moses that Aaron and her held his hands up until the battle was complete. And that has to do with where we're going next and the place that we're going. God's going to use us to help hold up the arms of another person until the battle is complete and victory is secure. The Lord also says the outworking of the prayers of the 40 days is secure. In other words, it's done. It will be felt over the next seven years. Great preparation is taking place in Dallas to be the center of the coming awakening. A shaking, a sifting, and a shifting is taking place. Mantles are being issued. Some people are being disqualified while others are being raised up to take their place. That's happening. In Dallas, it's happening. The next thing the Lord says, we are entering a new season that will not be as it was before. We are postured now for increase and sustained revival. That's significant to me because that's been a big part of my prayer for a long time is that as we increased that we would sustain revival. And it was really amazing to me when the Lord told me that. He said, now you're postured for increase and sustained revival. A significant increase of God's glory and fire is beginning to arise and shine in this ministry. Those that are loyal to the Lord will be loyal to River of Life and walk into these blessings, the promised land that's been promised from times past, and the inheritance. But this is the final thing the Lord says. A mantle of fire is settling over this ministry like the Mishkin settled over the tabernacle. It is upon us. It's a clothing of fire. It's a mantle of fire that's settling over this ministry. So here's what I want to do tonight. I feel... That God is wanting to begin to release that in this house in a powerful, powerful way. There's had to be a great preparation. you got to understand, 
preaching like we're doing tonight, there's certain things that draw major satanic attack. Okay, major, not small. When you have the glory, when you have revival, when you're winning souls, and when you're exposing the devil like this, the devil hates it and it it brings major attack. So the Lord is wanting, over time, He's wanted to increase the anointing and increase the glory to a place to where we could do what we're called to do and be sustained in it. And the enemy would not be able to oppress. So we've had to be sustained in it. I hope you heard that. And so God is bringing us to a place to where this mantle of fire, the beauty of the tents of Jacob, to where it's blessed and there's a covering of fire over this ministry to where when the enemy tries to attack, it's not going to be successful. And I believe that the glory of God is going to be so thick, there's such a fire in our ministry that it's literally going to water down and keep down um, division. If the enemy tries to stir up strife, but the glory of God just waters it down. It softens people's hearts. It makes it easy to get along. I believe that the glory of God is going to be so thick that it literally draws the wealth. Like Obed-Edom is drawing financial prosperity to this ministry. I also believe the glory is going to be so thick that people physically are going to be healed just being in the glory. They're not even going to have to get prayer. They're just going to be worshiping the glory and they're healed. I believe that. I believe the glory is going to be so thick that demonic spirits are going to leave people's lives that's been tormenting them without them even having to get prayer. It's just the glory, just that fire burns things out. The glory is going to be there. It's going to be a dome of protection over our lives. And and it's going to be significant. So what I want to do is I want to close out. um, And when I say about closing out recordings, I I never mean to go off live streaming. So let me say that. But I want to close out recordings and we're going to lay hands and pray for people. Okay, let's go ahead and do that.